So my wife comes from a big extended family, and I do not. Uh, I come from like family gatherings where uh, primarily there might be like 20 people total, and that's like extra random people coming. And uh, that's like a really small gathering in my wife's family. In fact, when we first got married, I won't lie, it was slightly overwhelming going to, I believe it was Thanksgiving, or no, Christmas for the first time. And I walked into her grandma's house that could not be more than maybe 2,500 square feet. And there was about 50 people in there somehow, in some way, and it was chaotic. Uh, yesterday, I uh, was with uh, my family, my my. my my wife and my kids did kind of the, the, almost like the adult version of when you're a kid and you're like, let's ask our parents as cousins if we can stay the night. So my wife last night, we went to this, this family kind of reunion gathering thing. And at the end, I, you know, I had to get back. I, you know, I work one day a week, so I had to be back here. And, um, and she like came to me. She's like, hey, I brought the boys' pajamas. Mom said it's okay if I stay the night. My cousin's going to be around still. Like, do you care? And I'm like, this is such a weird, Sure. Um, so that is where she is. She's probably watching online saying things in the comment section like, why are you outing me? Anyways, but I got thinking about yesterday, um, one of my sister-in-laws brought my boys each a set of Legos. She's earning, you know, she, she's working on the, the, the fant status, the favorite aunt status. And um, my boys love Legos. Anyone else big Lego fans? Uh, by the way, I, I like kind of want to become an, like an adult Lego builder person, but they are so expensive. I looked yesterday just because I was curious. Uh, if anyone wants to know, there is a, um, a Millennium Falcon, which is a Star Wars-like vehicle that is 75,000 pieces, and it is like $800. So don't buy me that. If you just want to give me $800, that's fine. But um, Anyways, Legos, though, isn't there something satisfying about Legos? There's something, uh, I mean, I love doing the creative part, but there's something satisfying about, like, opening up a box, and there's instructions, and you're taking the chaoticness of it all and bringing it into order. I, I have two sons. Gideon is seven, and Silas is four, and they could not be more different. Yesterday, when they got the Legos, Gideon immediately methodically opens it up, and he spends, instead of eating dinner at that time, he spends his entire night, pretty much, uh, putting together his little Lego set perfectly. Silas, on the other hand, uh, decided, which I was kind of surprised, instead of just chaotically opening it and just letting things fly, decided that he would save it uh, for later when he got home, which what I know eventually is that what that's going to mean is that Silas is going to open it by himself. He is going to fling things all over. He's going to find other Lego pieces, other toys, and eventually he's going to bring me this box that is going to have not all the same pieces, likely missing pieces of the instructions, and many other things, and say, can you do this? And Lego's got me thinking about uh, this new series, Ordering the Chaos, because in many ways, our lives uh, are, are just a stressful mess. Um, some might even say, if you want to make it sound fancier, that we might be riding the Hot Mess Express. Toot, toot. And it's kind of like uh, a Lego set, at least life for me, where in some ways I, I feel like my life is this box that has some of the right pieces and some of the wrong pieces. It probably has both not enough of certain pieces and too many of other ones. And I'm looking there trying to figure out how do I find a sense of peace and calm. There's this reality that life is stressful, 
And yet I believe God has a lot to say about what does it look like to be a good steward of our life. And oftentimes when we talk about stewardship, people are like, oh gosh, we're talking about money. But the, the reality is stewardship really is like a fancy, it's not totally a church word, but it kind of is, um, in, in a lot of ways for like management. And there's this question about all of that, that every one of us has to wrestle with is how are we stewarding or how are we managing our one and only life that God has given us? Because the reality is when, when we look at the numbers, people, even Christians, we are not thriving. We are not killing it. In fact, I, I was reading this week some different studies from like the American Psychological Association, from the uh, American Stress Institute, um, because we have to have all these, you know, organizations to study how stressed we are just to prove it. Um, but I, trust me, we already know. But, but, but let me just share some things to, to, to set the tone for the realities of what is going on with our lives. Uh, in one of the studies, as they, as they looked at all the numbers comparatively around the entire world, they found that Americans are one of the most stressed out countries in the world. The current stress level uh, experienced by Americans is 20 percentage points higher than the global average, which is wild, right? Because I, I don't know about you, I am proud to be American. I am so grateful for the country that I live in, the freedoms I get. But there is a reality that there are people around the world who are having a better life than us, uh, even though we have all of the things. In fact, this is what one of the studies found. It said 55% of Americans are stressed during the day. Again, the global average of uh, number of people stressed uh, out of 143 countries is 35%. We are not doing great. About 76% of adults said that the future of our nation is a significant source of stress in their lives, while 68% said that this is the lowest point in our country's uh, history that they can remember. Two and three adults, 66% said that the current political climate is a significant source of stress in their lives. I don't know why. I thought everything was going great. Three quarters of adults, 75% that is, agreed that violence and crime are a significant source of stress in their lives. Nearly half of all U.S. adults, 49%, say that stress has negatively affected their behaviors. Not me. Don't ask the people who I cut off yesterday in traffic, but not me. More than three-quarters of adults reported symptoms of stress, including headaches, tiredness, and sleeping problems. There's 70% that actually said that healthcare is a significant source of stress. So you get stressed, and then you have health problems, and then you're stressed out by the healthcare system. And around 7 in 10 adults, 70%, have experienced additional health impacts due to stress, including feeling overwhelmed, experiencing change in sleeping habits, and or worrying constantly. We are not in a great place. And these are big major factors, right? In, in, we, we have stress over things like inflation, over um, conflicts around the world, whether it's in Israel or Ukraine. We have stress over the direction that we see uh, our country heading. We have stress over the realities of the world that uh, are, we're, we're, we're handing off to our kids. We have stress over all sorts of things. And then we also just have the stresses of, like, being a parent. Can I get an amen? Woof. And I understand, even those who your kids have, have flown the coop, or you're hoping they would fly the coop soon. Like, there is stress because you never really stop being a parent. There's work stress. There's financial stress. There are so 
many stressors. And the question is, what do we do with all of it? Because this reality is the fact that, like, the world has set us up to continue to experience stress. The systems in which we find ourselves in, the realities of things like everyone having a device like this that is addictive and also terrible for our mental health, is just adding to the fire that is already brewing. You see, stress plays a dramatic role on our mental, physical, and spiritual health. And the truth is, as we've, we've read, we've seen before, not only is it just killing our mental health, our spiritual health, but it quite literally is like killing us physically. And here's the crazy part. We are complicit in it. We have joined in lifestyles that are the way of the world that have led to us feeling stressed. And the way we have accepted life to be is literally killing us body and soul. And so this morning and in the coming weeks, what we want to talk about is what does it look like to get into um, God's plans, into God's ways, to begin to experience this thing that we're going to talk about today called shalom, which is another word for peace. How do we begin to order our lives in a way that actually brings life and joy. And here's the thing. Let me just say this. This isn't going to be something that's pie in the sky where it's like, follow steps one, two, three, and your life will be perfect. But as we're going to talk about, one of the beauties about the way of God is that in some ways there are so many things that we have to make peace with that are outside of our control that we begin to have faith in God and just let some of those things go. And there's also some things that are deeply dependent on us that we just need to suck it up and take control of. And if we listen to God's wisdom, our life is going to go so much better. Because the, 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 the kind of big picture of this series is I've been studying, thinking about my own life, talking with other people. Yeah, one of the things that I have come to, which is sort of one of the base, baseline kind of statements of this whole series, is this. A disordered life will lead to death. A disordered life will lead to death. And what I mean by that is not like, hey, if you don't get your pantry all like, you know, organized or cleaned up, or if your closet doesn't get picked up, you're going to die. I'm not saying that, unless you, you know, maybe have a mother or spouse who is very much a neat freak. But there's this reality that so many of us are looking at the one life that God has given us. And if our life is sort of like investments in, in what we're putting our energy and our focus and our resources and our heart towards, we are making terrible investments. We are, we are reaping what we have sown in our life. And there's this reality that when we choose to follow the wisdom of Scripture, when we choose to live in the way of Jesus, when we begin to order our lives in a way that Jesus would order his life if he was living today, we begin to experience new and better life. But there's this reality that if we continue in the ways of the world, of just sort of like chaotically living in life, we will not experience peace or order, and ultimately we will, we will experience death. And not just obviously the physical death that happens from stress in our body, but also there's this reality that Scripture talks about how all sin eventually leads to death. And I'm not necessarily making the argument that stress is a sin, but there's this reality that the more that we allow stressfulness in our life uh, to sort of rule the day, the more we kind of buy into this world where burnout is sort of almost a badge of honor, the more likely that we are to find ourselves in weakened places, that when temptation arises, 
we're going to fall to sin. The more likely that we pick up bad habits, we, 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 we get into bad um, uh, attitudes and, and mentalities that lead us not towards Jesus but away from him. And ultimately, those things will lead to death. Because again, we are stewarding or managing our lives in ways that are not helping us, that are not leading to life in the fullest. Now, the baseline kind of um, verse that, that, that kind of sets the table for this whole series comes from uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. And this is what it says. It says this, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. God is not a God of, of chaos and disorder, but he's a God of peace. Now, if you've been with us the last um, uh, couple months, uh, I have somewhat been obsessed with uh, Genesis. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. It is foundational to us understanding kind of what it means to be human, who God is, and all of these sort of things. And uh, we, we've gone there a lot the last few series, and we're going to go there again this morning for just a moment. If you were to go and look at the very first uh, chapter or two of Genesis, what you actually see is, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And then the rest of the cadence of the creation story is God taking kind of just nothingness or chaos, and he brings order and life to his creation. And every single time, if you remember, he says it was, yes, it's good. He brings order, and, and, and he has these right ways, and he says this is good. And if you remember, eventually, the, the fall of humanity, sin opens up when people begin to say, ooh, the way God has said is the right way. Maybe it's not. Let's try something else. And that is when we begin to spiral into these bad things. Again, we begin to get out of order of what God has created us to experience. But I love the way that Apostle Paul talks about this idea. That he's not a God of disorder, but of peace. Now, when we look at the, the word peace throughout um, scripture, there's a Hebrew word, and eventually it, it gets translated to enere for uh, the Greek word, uh, but it comes from this word shalom, which I want to talk a little bit about this morning. Now, if you've been here uh, in South Creek over the last number of years, you will know that shalom is one of my favorite concepts uh, throughout Scripture. It's one of the greatest gifts that we get as followers of Jesus. And shalom does not merely mean peace like, hey, peace, man. Shalom is this idea of, of wholeness, of completeness. It's this idea of harmony. Oftentimes, I've heard biblical scholars kind of talk about this concept of imagine a wall that is perfectly put together. There's no blemishes. There's, there's no sort of hole in it. Or, or think about maybe a, a smooth stone that, that has no fractures, no, no sort of things to it. It's this idea uh, of, of not just a, a, a lack of conflict, but more of sort of like the inner peace. And, and the beauty of it is it is a gift from God. It, it oftentimes really is the result of God's presence in one's life and the incredible thing about it, it has nothing to do with your circumstances or the scenarios that you find yourself in life. A.K.A. it doesn't matter if you just lost your job. It doesn't matter if there is conflict going on around the world. It doesn't matter if inflation continues to rise. It is something that ultimately is sustained by understanding that God is God and we are not. And understanding that, you know, as, as they got the song, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Rocket Man, he's got the whole world in his hands, everybody. No. Um, but that's where it comes from. And, and here's the beauty. 
Shalom really is sort of the gift, the answer, the antidote to so much of the stress and chaos in our lives. Now, we're going to talk about these kind of two main stresses that we experience, and and over the coming weeks, we're going to talk a little bit more practically about what does it look like to actually take care of our time, to to make sure that relationships are in the right orders and the right things. We are going to talk about what we consume. We're going to talk about our finances. We're going to talk about what it means to have a thankful heart in the midst of all of it. But I want to just, again, talk about, urge you to this idea that one of the gifts of choosing to follow Jesus, and to choose him not only as your savior, the person who saves you from from ultimate sort of destruction of the death and the sin in your life, but also is your Lord, which is the person who ultimately you say, I bow allegiance to you. I choose to live under your rule and your reign. That one of the gifts is this idea of shalom. That regardless of what's going, going on, I can have a less stressed life. Now, Let's talk about these two types of stress, and we're going to come back to shalom uh, towards the end again. But there are two main stresses that I have found uh, in my life and, and when I talk with people. There are things that are out of our control, and there are things that are in our control. I know, I am pretty insightful there, right? Thank you. I uh, don't want to brag, but I made a dean's list once. Uh, it was where I got invited to the dean's office, and they told me if I didn't give my grades up, I would get kicked out. But... It was still a dean's list, okay? But let's talk about these two types of stresses because I I believe that oftentimes we attack both of them in a wrong way. Let's start first with the stresses that are out of our control. Let's be real. We stress about things that are out of our control when we need to remember and trust that God is in control, period. There is this reality that we oftentimes allow stresses that don't actually have that much to do with us, that really we don't have much that we can do other than pray about, affect us. Because there's this reality, right? We can't affect other people oftentimes. Like, it's a frustrating thing, right? There are things we'll talk about, like, as a parent. There are things that you can do to help your kids, but ultimately, they are their own person who will make their own decisions, which is frustrating. Can I get an amen? Thank you. There is this reality at work. We oftentimes may not be the, 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 the top person who gets to make all the decisions. We don't get to uh, uh, choose how other people are going to be acting or responding. That is frustrating. Sometimes there's not a lot we can do. There are world conflicts going on. There are things going on with uh, uh, the, the financial systems and all that sort of stuff where, to be fair, there's a lot that is outside of our control. And while, yes, we should care, and it does matter, and I'm not arguing for us to be people who just live with our hand, heads buried in the sand, there is a lot of times where we allow our lives to be robbed of joy, of relationship, of presence, because we are stressed out about things that we cannot control. And I think our life would go a lot better. Jesus taught us uh, about this idea of why we shouldn't worry so much about some of these things in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. I'm not going to read the story, but if you remember, essentially he's giving this teaching, and he says this, like, look at the birds of the air. Like, they they don't have to worry and work on all these sort of things because their heavenly Father takes care of them. He says, look at the blades, look at these flowers. They look incredible, better than even Solomon, the richest guy of all time. And yet their heavenly father takes care of them. And he says, if you remember, don't worry so much. Don't worry about your life and your body and all these sort of things. Your heavenly father will take 
care of you. Now, again, Jesus' teaching here is not an absence of effort, right? He's not, he's not just saying, like, don't work anymore, don't worry about anything. What he's really trying to cut at the heart of is just this reality that you could stress yourself out forever. That's why he says, don't worry so much about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough to worry about for itself. And so what do we do with this, with, with, with all of this sort of things that are outside of control? There are these two little uh, awesome things that we can do. We surrender and we have faith. Because surrender and faith are the gateway to shalom. Peace, shalom, is not something that we earn. It's not that we save enough money to get there. It's not that we um, you know, earn enough brownie points with our spouse to get there. It's not like we uh, achieved enough that our parents are proud enough of, of us uh, for all that we've done to get there. Ultimately, it goes to when we surrender our will and our way to God, and we just ultimately trust that God is in control and God is good, that's when we can begin to experience peace or shalom, especially over things that we cannot control. I had a conversation with one of my brothers recently where um, he, he's, a, he's a very passionate person, and he was just getting so worked up about um, some certain situations just kind of happening in, in our world, and he's like, doesn't it just like make you mad? And I said, of course it does. But he's like, well, then why don't you express it all the time? And I'll say this because I don't think I'm a perfect person, but I said, JJ, I don't have enough time to be angry about things that are going to rob me of the most important things in my life. There are things that frustrate me, that I pray about, that I desire for in our world, but there are some things that I'm not going to be able to change. And so I'm going to focus on what I can control, and I am going to trust God to take care of things. Because ultimately, every single time that we have a big stress and worry in our lives, we have the opportunity to stress about them, and, and sometimes if we're honest, our stress is really a looking at God and saying, I don't think you're going to take care of this. And we have the opportunity to say, God, I'm trusting you. And no matter how this situation plays out, I know that you're good and that you're in control. But I think when we begin to be people of surrender and people who choose to just have faith that God has got it, we'll begin to experience this idea of shalom in our lives. In 2 Timothy Chapter 1, I love, I love the, the words that Paul wrote to this young man named Timothy. He said this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I love this idea that when we experience the Spirit of God, we begin to not have to fear so much. We don't have to be as worried about everything that's going on in our lives. Because ultimately, we understand the grander picture of life in reality. But I also love that, that, that they point at this idea of that we have power, love, and we have self-discipline, or some translations would say self-control, which brings us to our second type of stress that we oftentimes deal with, which is stresses that are in our control. Can, can I say this at the forefront of this? Just because there is much of life that is out of our control doesn't mean that we shouldn't take control of what we can. I see a lot of people. I listen to a lot of people. I am that people sometimes who stress about things, who are frustrated about situations that are 100% in my control. I don't know about you, I have stressed many times, I've been frustrated, I have whined to my wife about like, oh, I used to be a medium shirt, now I'm an extra large, they're making shirts too small, which is true, by the way. But also, there were years where I wasn't exercising, and that was my choice. I love pizza and donuts and ice cream. That is a choice I have made. 
to love them and enjoy them. I'm trying to be better, okay? But there's this reality that th there have been moments where I, our finances have been lean. If I'm honest, if I actually look back and look at some of the things, some of it has been because we've made stupid decisions. When we first got married, we had no money and we decided to buy a dog. Don't do that. That is a dumb choice. I love that animal. He just turned like nine. He's great. But what a dumb choice. That was a stress that I chose. There's a lot, and this is a lot of what we're going to talk about in this series, is, is there's a lot of stresses that we have chosen that we could actually take some ownership in. And a lot of our stresses come from living or thinking in a way that is not God's way. And that is not to discount the realities that there is tons of curveballs that come into our life that we don't get to control. Huge amounts of grace, right? There are times where a loss of a job, a, a, a bad medical diagnosis, there are certain things that are outside of our control, right? But I think when there are so many things that are outside of our control, I think it's even more of a, a desire, maybe good wisdom, good stewardship for us to actually look at the things that are in our control and say, you know what? I'm going to take control of this. In Proverbs chapter 14, we're reminded this. There is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it leads, it, it, uh, in the end is the way to death. Again, sometimes we just sort of throw up our hands we're like, can't do anything about it. And life leads to stress and death. But again, we go back to what we talked about at the very beginning. A disordered life will lead to death. And again, a disordered life is a choice. Every single one of us has choices to make every single day. By the way, the worst part of adulting that no one told me about is how every single day you have to decide what you're going to eat until you die, and it is awful. Send recipes after service. Proverbs, again, it's a book of wisdom, says this in chapter 3, though. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. That there is just this reality that if we would be willing to look at the wisdom that we see in Scripture, when we look at the example of Jesus and we begin to live in the way that we see happening and working in Scripture, our life will begin to experience better goodness. And we go back to this idea, uh, again, of um, God's ways being better than our ways. And, and in John uh, chapter uh, 14, Jesus talks about this idea, this concept of shalom again. And I love what he says here. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We're going to talk about over the coming weeks how there are ways that the world has given us to say, like, this is how you live life. This is what marriage looks like. This is what um, taking care of your finances looks like. This is what it looks like to be a good steward of your time. Here's what it looks like to be a person who consumes things. And we're going to talk about the reality of, of why some of the ways of the world, some of these kind of lies that we've been given, are not going to lead us to the life that we think they're going to lead us to. And we're also going to look at the reality of the great ways that God has given us good wisdom that we can apply to our life to kind of take back control of the things that we can take back of so we can experience this peace. And again, it's not this peace that anything in this world can give us. And it may not be completely reflected in our bank accounts or our schedules or our, our statuses or achievements and all that sort of stuff, 
but ultimately it will be a heart that is full, a life that is present, and one that actually feels true wholeness and harmony. Let me close with just uh, three final parting thoughts real quick. Here's the first one. Uh, God's way will always be better than our way. It just will. I I think sometimes, if I'm honest, I I wish I could redact some of my conversations with God, my prayers, because I look back and I'm like, who am I to literally look at the author of creation, um, the, the one who knows everything in the world, and look at him and be like, are you sure, man? Have you thought about it this way? And and I've experienced this. Becoming a parent, right? There are times where my kids, like, I give it to them. Maybe one of them will be a lawyer someday. But, like, their justifications, their thoughts on, like, are you sure about this? Is like, are you kidding me, man? Like, I'm the one in control. And and in some ways, they're, they're glimpses for me where I'm reminded of how silly I sound sometimes to God. When he looks at me and he's like, listen, man. Shh. Get with the program. And how oftentimes when I actually do shush and get with the program, how much life feels better. But God's ways will always be better than our ways. And again, there's a huge piece of surrendering our ways so that way we can walk into his ways. Here's the second thing. There is a lot of stress that you carry that is a direct result of your stewardship. There is so much of our lives (laughs) that we are living right now good or bad, that is a direct result of the choices that we have made. And again, there is tons of grace. One of the amazing things about, about the goodness of God is the fact that oftentimes he can take our really dumb decision and turn it into good, which is kind of incredible and just awesome of who he is. But again, some of us need to confess and repent from the reality that we've made some poor choices and we continue to make poor choices and that things are not going to get better until we start making better choices. In the Gospel of John chapter 10, and, and this, this is this, this whole concept, this is kind of the why. Why do we want to order the chaos? Jesus said these words. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Think if Jesus could sit down and talk to every single one of us. He may look at our calendars. He may look at our search histories. He may look at our bank accounts. He may look at our relationships and say, is this really the life that you want? Is this really what you think I have for you as life to the fullest? And one of the beautiful things that we're going to do together is maybe make some painful assessments to say, maybe it's time to make some changes that may be hard, might even feel impossible, but will ultimately get me to the life that I believe Jesus wants for me. Because so many of us live our lives as if this is it. And the reality is like, this is a blip on the radar in comparison to eternity. And how we live today ultimately will not only affect our eternity, but the eternity of others. And so we must choose to begin to ask Jesus to help us order the chaos in our lives. I'll leave you with this this last thing. A, A life of holiness will lead to a life that is marked by wholeness. Holiness is this fancy church word that just means set apart to be different. And again, there's this reality that um, people who choose to be followers of Jesus, we have to begin to be okay with this reality, embrace this reality, that we are called to live differently. 
We are called to have lives that look different than the rest of the world. Like, I've talked with people sometimes who are like, listen, like, I want to follow Jesus. I'm into that. I just don't want to look different in weirdness. Like, you, you're not going to like the Bible. That's a lot of it. And again, I'm not saying we need to be like weirdos and, and crazies, but, but there is this reality that like there are tons of things where I look at, and I have to repent in my own life, where I'm like, why do I continue to allow the way of the world that just leads to stress and destruction and chaos, like why, why do I just have to um, accept that that's the right way? When Jesus came into this world and he went to the cross for me, And the tomb was empty for me and for you, not for us to live subpar lives in which we are experiencing death and destruction and stress. He came again so we could live life more abundantly. And so if we begin to choose to live a life of holiness, which looks like following in his ways, one of the incredible things is how we'll begin to experience wholeness in our life. And the awesome thing is, it may not look exactly like what you thought or maybe even hoped it would. But ultimately, it will be better for not only your mental and physical health, but your spiritual health. Because at the end of the day, our bodies are a gift from God, but our souls are something that lasts forever. And a lot of us, the way that we've lived life, we've not really had our soul in mind. And maybe this morning is an opportunity to begin to really think about that. Maybe this morning is, is the opportunity to, for the first time ever, or maybe the first time in a long time, just, just re-say or for the first time say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior, and I want you to be my Lord. I want you to help me begin to order this chaos. I want you to bring me from death to life and help me to actually live a life to the full. Would you guys stand with me as we're going to uh, pray and then sing one last song? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are uh, so good, and we are so grateful for uh, the way that you uh, look at our life. And, and, and Father, honestly, sometimes it's overwhelming to look at it. It, it. it feels like a Lego set where there are pieces missing and yet not enough pieces, and there's not instructions, and we're not really even sure where to begin. Father, this morning, would we realize that, that the beginning of experiencing peace, experiencing shalom, ordering all the chaos of our lives just begins by surrendering to you, to admitting our need for you, for asking your forgiveness for the ways that we've chosen uh, to not fall in line with your way. Because ultimately, Father, the big why, why we want all of this is so that way we can have more of you. So, Father, as we sing this last song, um, whatever it is that you bring bring to us, Father, would, would you speak to us in a way that, that gives us clarity about um, what's our next step? And, and Father, maybe every single one of us, our, our first step is just uh, fully to just re-surrender to you. Say, Father, I want you to be king of my entire heart, and I want you to help direct me in every aspect of my life. So, Father, as we sing this song, would it bring glory and honor to you? And would you speak words of hope and conviction and joy and love? And shalom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.